0: I want to just share some things with you. Uh, Chuck Pierce comes every year. He's a prophet. Now, Pastor, what's a prophet? Well, all that is is a person that's anointed by God and God shows him things in the future. Well, Pastor, are you saying that uh, he knows what's going to happen in the future? Uh, I'm not necessarily saying he knows everything. Here's the thing. Uh, He's a human being. He's he's not infallible. Uh, But I trust him and I respect him and I trust Trinity Fellowship and I believe they wouldn't have him uh, if he didn't have good things to say. I always line it up with the Word of God. He said some really good things. I'm not going to be able to share everything with you this morning that he talked about, but I just want to stir a couple of things in you. Listen, let me tell you something about prophecy. All prophecy is is a promise for the future. Okay, the Bible is filled with prophecy. Why? Because it's filled with promises. Listen, we're a people of prophecy. What does that mean? That we're, we're a people that have promises. We're a people that God has given promises to. One of my life verses is on the wall, Jeremiah 29, 11, And it says, the last sentence says, I have plans for you to give you hope and a future. So prophecy is not something that's weird or, or off the wall. It, it's something that's from God and God wants to use. Now, let me, let me give you a little something here that will encourage you and, and hopefully will help you. One of the weirdest people in the Bible was John the Baptist. I mean, he was weird. I mean, he hung out in the wilderness. He wore animal skins for clothing. And it says that he ate locusts and honey. And the people of his day thought he was crazy out of his mind. But he was from God, and God sent him, and God used him to usher in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let let me encourage you in something. I've seen so many times in Christians' lives where you'll hear a speaker or you'll hear somebody teach and either you decide you don't like their hairstyle or you don't like their weight or you don't like the clothing they're wearing or you don't like the tone of their voice. And so many times, can I just be honest with you, that is the enemy wanting to keep you from what God is saying to you through that individual, okay? God wants to use different people to speak into your life. And I just want to make you aware of that, that you're careful. I've been to meetings with men, uh, men's retreats and different events. And when the service is over, the men, some of the men or one of the men would say, well, that guy was weird, or, you know, I didn't like the tone of his voice, or, or, and all that is is the devil. Okay, don't don't allow that to happen to you. So what I want to do this morning is just take a few truths that he shared. I want to share some scripture with you. And I want to read first this morning out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, an Old Testament book in the Bible. Let me say this just to settle it in your heart. Okay, we're a prophetic people. Listen, God has promises for every single one of you. I believe he has promises from the book, and then I believe he has specific promises that relate just to you, okay? I believe there's two kinds of promises. That longing, that yearning in your heart, those things that you have stirring in you, can I tell you something? God loves you. God knows you personally. He knows the numbers of hair on your head or the lack thereof and he wants to move in your life. And the promises in the book belong to you, and then I believe that there's personal promises that belong to you. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Let me stop right there and say something to you. I believe God moves in seasons. What do you mean, pastor? Well, There are different times and different seasons in your life, and God wants you to be aware of those seasons, that he's doing different things in your life, and that he doesn't always do the same thing all the time, but he wants to move in your life. Listen to the next thing it says. He says he has put eternity in our hearts. He has put eternity in the heart of man, except that no one... Can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I want you to see two things in this that are so amazing. The very first thing it says is God wrote eternity on your heart. Now, that does not mean the blood pump in your chest, it means your spirit, it means your soul, it means the eternal part of you. And that verse says that God has inscribed on your heart eternity. What does that mean, Pastor? That longing, that stirring in you for something more. That longing, that stirring in you for a better life. We just came through the Christmas season. And one of the things Christmas does in you, you may not be aware of this, is it stirs eternity in your heart. It stirs hope. That's why we go out and buy gifts and spend too much money and try to make everything perfect. Why? Because eternity stirring in our heart. Now, I want to show you two things that are very important that I want you to understand. Here's the first thing when you spend time with God the Psalms says that the Lord will restore you okay Psalm says in 23 he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul Listen, when you come to church, Jesus is offering restoration. Whether you need healing, whether you need the healing balm of God on your heart, whether you need forgiveness, whether you need hope, whatever it is you're aching for this morning, whatever brought you here this morning, Jesus wants to restore that in your life. But here's what we do. We don't always go to restoration. We go to relief. Now, there's a huge difference, and I don't want you to miss this. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what relief is. Relief is busyness. Relief is recreation. Relief is video games. Relief, I go to work. Uh, Relief is I buy something. I love to buy things because it brings that momentary sense of relief. Does that make sense to you? Now, there's nothing wrong with the things I mentioned, but we go to the wrong places looking for restoration. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus wants to restore your soul. Whatever it is you need, he wants to pour life and hope and wholeness into you. Eternity is written in your heart. The last thing that verse says is, only God knows the beginning from the end. You see, I don't know the beginning from the end. Only God does. But I do know this. He has a plan for my life. Yesterday, I went to Shannon's father's 90th birthday party. His name is Hardy, and I got to visit with him for just a few minutes at the party. And he, I asked him, you know... What's it like being 90? You you know, I mean, and he said, you know what he said? Well, I never thought about being 90. He said it never entered my brain. He said, but one time 30 or 40 years ago, I heard a guy preach a sermon, and he said he told this story about this boy that had a big family and lived in a small home, and four boys slept in one bedroom, and there was one light bulb. And he said the boy liked to read, and at night he'd read, and the dad would come in and say, turn the light out so everybody can go to bed. And he said, but he was reading this story, and he was interested, and he didn't want to stop. He said, so he flipped over to the back of the book, and he read the last couple of pages. And he said, I read the end of the story. And the preacher said that uh, when his dad would come in and say, hey, turn off the light and go to sleep, he could put the book down because he knew how it ended. And then Mr. Hardy looked right at me, 90 years old, and he said, I've read the back of the book, and I know how the story ends. And he said, I have hope and I'm not afraid because I know how the story ends. Listen to me. God knows how the story ends. What did I tell you last week? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and you're going to be where I am. That's that longing on the inside of you. I want to go to another verse. I want to read to you out of, uh, <clears throat> let's do Colossians 1, and 27. They're gonna put it up on the screen. Listen to what this says. It says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations has been revealed to his saints. Now leave that up. I want you to see something. Notice what that verse says. The verse says that God has a mystery. Then it says he has something hidden, and it's been hidden for ages and it's been hidden for generations, which maybe would be fair to say it's been hidden for hundreds of years or even thousands of years. And then it says, but God has revealed it to his saints, which is us. Now, don't change it. I I don't want you to miss this. It says God has a mystery and a secret that he's hidden for generations, and now he wants to give it to you. Don't you love secrets? Yeah, don't, don't act like you don't. Right? I know dang good and well you do. Right? You love it when somebody knows something you don't know, and they tell you, and they don't tell anybody this. Right? We love that. Okay. God, look at the next verse. It says, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Oh, here it is again. It's a mystery. Among the Gentiles, that's us. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, don't miss this. God has a secret and a mystery, and he's held it close to his chest for generations and for ages. And then he decided to let you in on it. And you know what it is? Jesus on the inside of you. You see, that's what Christianity is. You know what the mystery of the kingdom of God is? Jesus on the inside of you. The Bible says that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Listen to me, church. If you have Jesus in your heart this morning, you have a source of living water on the inside of you. Now, here's the mistake we make as Christians. Here's what other religions do all the time, and they don't do it as a mistake. See, we think that religion is if I'll change on the outside, it'll make everything okay on the inside. And it doesn't work, and it never has, and it never will. What's Christianity? Christianity is Jesus comes into my heart. How does he get in there? Well, I invite him in. Hey, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. You can do it anytime, anywhere. I did it in my parents' living room when I was a 12 year old boy. I said, Jesus, would you come into my heart and be my Savior? He said, I sure will. And He came in on the inside of me. That's the mystery. Now I have life on the inside of me. Now listen very carefully. I don't want you to construe anything about what I'm about to say. We look to the earth to redeem us. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, we're going to eat right, we're going to eat lots of broccoli. We're going to eat lots of kale. We're, we're going we're gonna to eat lots of fruit. And, man, we're going to eat right. And we're only, we're only going to go organic. And, man, we're going gonna to take lots of vitamins. And why are you doing that? Well, I'm doing it because I'm going to live a long time and I'm going to be really healthy and everything's going to be really good. I'm not against eating right. I'm for eating right. Okay? Don't, don't think, well, pastor's not for that. No, I'm for that. But here's the mistake we make. You look to the earth and its products to bring you life and it can't because it's cursed life that you're looking for is inside you if you have jesus and if you don't have jesus all you have to do is invite him in and it says the mystery of the kingdom is jesus christ in you that's the hope you're looking for listen i ate broccoli Okay, I eat broccoli. I love broccoli. My daughter-in-law doesn't like broccoli very much. and When we serve it, she doesn't like it. My wife will say to me sometimes, oh, you smell like broccoli. I love broccoli. I just like, I like it. And sometimes I, it probably help my romance if I'd eat a little less of it, don't you think? You stink, man, like, you know, like broccoli. It's like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. All right, here, here's the point. You're looking to the wrong place for life. The right place for life is Jesus And it's on the inside of you. I'm going to show you another verse. I'm going to go to, uh, I want to go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. I love this verse. You're going to love it too. It says, but we have this treasure. Did you know there's a treasure on the inside of you? There's a treasure. You've been looking all, think about how you've been looking all those places for that treasure, right? This Wednesday, it's going to be $1.3 billion. And if you know what I'm talking about, I know what you do. Yeah, I didn't even have to identify it, did I? Yeah, it's going to be one point. They say if nobody, 1.3 billion. Obviously, I'm talking about the Texas tax of the poor man. It's called the lottery. I'm so grateful we have the lottery. You know why? There's no income tax in Texas. So we just tax the desperate and the poor, and we call it the lottery. Pastor, are you getting political? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. But what are we doing? We're looking in the wrong places. That's, that's all I'm saying. We're looking in the wrong places. Now look what this, I love this verse. You're gonna love it. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. I wanna see two things. It says that the the life of God dwells in me and I'm an earthen clay pot. What does that mean? I'm made of dirt. Now only the men are made of dirt. The women are not made of dirt, right? Where did that come from? That came from the rib of Adam. So ladies, what's wrong with your husband is he's dirt. That's what's wrong with him, okay? You're not, if you wonder why does he think the way he does, because he's dirt, okay? He's dirt. You ever how little girls usually don't eat dirt and boys do, right, okay? All right, now here's what I want you to see. Listen, what's the point of that verse? Well, the point of that verse is I'm flesh and my flesh is broken. And I am taking care of it as best that I can. But it's decaying, and I'm getting older all the time. But inside of this earthen vessel, inside of this imperfect thing, is the treasure of God. And that treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we do when we do funerals? Well, we put the deceased in the ground. And we say a lot of times, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. We put them in the ground until resurrection morning. It says the treasure is Jesus Christ. Here's all I'm saying to you this morning. Stop looking. Looking out there and start recognizing that it's in here. Then the last sentence says that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. What do you mean, Pastor? You know what God wants you to do? All He wants you to do is look to Him for your source. Look to Him for your source. God, I need you. On the way here this morning to turn on the lights and unlock this building, I told Jesus, Jesus, if you don't come through this morning, we're wasting our time because this cannot be about me. It has to be about Jesus Christ. And I want the power and the glory to go to Him and not to me. Now, I said all that to say that you and I are prophetic people, you and I are a people who have promises from God. Chuck Pierce shared several simple things, and I've got just a simple short list that I want to encourage you with as you move into 2016. What are some things you can do to strengthen your faith in God? Here's the first thing he said He said, Bathe yourself in worship. Worship is the key to your life. Bathe yourself in worship. Worship is the key to your life. Can I encourage you? Listen to worship music, listen to praise music, play it in your home, play it in your vehicle. The devil hates worship music. Demons hate worship music. They cannot stand to be in the presence of God. Listen, I'm not against rock and roll. Listen, I can put on inner sandman with the best of them and turn it up as loud as it'll go. And you know what it makes me want to do? Run through the wall. I want to go out, pick up the car, and throw it on the neighbor's house. Right? Okay? I mean, if you lift weights and you put that song on, you can double everything you lift. I mean, if you squat 500 with that plane, you can squat 800. Do you know why? Because it stirs up your flesh. And Jesus said your flesh profits nothing. What you want to stir up is your heart. And when you put on praise and worship music, it encourages you. It strengthens you. Play it in your car. Play it in your home. Come to church and worship. And make it a part of your life. He said to bathe. Let it wash over you. Bathe yourself with worship. Let it be a key to your life. Listen, it will bring hope and peace to you. Thursday night, Trinity did a worship service. That's all they did was praise and worship. There wasn't any preaching. And their worship team has put out a new CD. And we purchased it. And we put it in the car on the way home. In the 45-minute drive on the way home, we played it as loud as it would go. And sang it to the top of our lungs. You know what we were doing? Bathing ourselves in worship, filling our hearts, filling our car, filling our life with the grace of God. Make that more a part of your life in 2016. Listen to the Christian radio. Listen to good music. There's amazing. The music we did this morning, I'm No Longer a Slave. I mean, that song is so incredible. You can download that song, and you can play it in your car, and you can play it in your home. Here's the next thing he said. This year is about you responding as a believer, Listen to me. It's about you responding. What does that mean? Okay, I heard a great quote the other day. Every man chooses his own path. Every man chooses his own path. Listen, to the best of my ability, since I was 21 years old, I've been endeavoring to choose Jesus Christ. God is asking you to respond to him. See, we can talk about change all day long, but change isn't change until we change. You can talk about repentance, but if you never repent, nothing happens. You can talk about prayer, but if you don't ever pray, nothing happens. Listen, 2016 is the year that God's asking you to respond. He's reaching out His hand. He's asking you to reach your hand back. Now, you have two choices. You have the flesh... Or you have the Spirit. So you can either do life on your own. You can do life in your own strength. Or you can surrender. See, you know that's what this is, right? This is the universal sign of surrender. That's exactly what this is. Why do you raise your hands in church, Pastor? Why do you do that? It makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm surrendering. This is the universal sign of surrender. If you put a gun in my stomach, I'm going to do this. Please don't shoot. What do babies do? What do toddlers do when you go to the door at the nursery? What are they doing? Right? Pick me up. Hold me, right? That's what they do. All right, you know what God's asking you to do? Respond to him. Quit depending on yourself. Surrender. Put up the white flag and allow him to move in your life. Here's the next thing. Get a quiet time this year. Get a quiet time. What do you mean? Take a few minutes during your day, whatever's best for you. Morning, lunch, afternoon, evening, what's best for you. Take a few minutes and spend with God. Let me tell you two stories. The single simplest thing I've done to maintain my walk with God for the last 40 years that has kept me encouraged And strengthened and refreshed is my quiet time. And over the years, it has grown. It started very small, and it has grown considerably in my life. What does a quiet time look like? Okay, it's not necessarily a time where you... uh, you know, you have to listen to somebody else teach or it's a teaching time. All quiet time is, is you take a few minutes out of your day. You can have your Bible. If you want to have a notebook or a journal and you spend a few minutes praying, a few minutes reading scripture, just a few minutes talking to God. Hey God, I give you my day. Help me, lead me, guide me. Take a few minutes to read some scripture. That's what a quiet time is. Listen, lots of people read through the Bible in a year. They have those Bibles. And listen, I'm not against that if you want to do it. But I want to just caution you to be careful. It can turn into bondage. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, pretty quickly, you get two or three days behind, and you feel guilty, and you feel condemned, and the devil smells that like a shark smells blood, and he'll show up and tell you, you can't do anything, you've never been able to do anything, and you can't read your Bible either. I'm not opposed to reading through the Bible in a year. But don't get hooked into something that you stay away from and becomes bondage. Okay, Kurt always says, get on the Version Bible app and read a daily verse. Get in the New Testament and read a little bit. Read some Psalms, read some Proverbs, but get a quiet time. I know a pastor who used to be on staff at Trinity Fellowship in Amarillo. His name is Tom Lane. He has since moved to Colorado Springs, and he's on staff at a church called New Life. And I saw him interviewed online, and he said two things changed his Christian life. Number one was a quiet time. Now, he said for 30 years, he's gotten up early in the morning, he would get dressed, get in his car, and where he lived, he lives in a big city, he would drive to McDonald's, he would have his Bible in his notebook, he would get a cup of coffee, he would sit in a corner at McDonald's, and he would have quiet time with Jesus. Listen, there's no McDonald's here, and when I do quiet time, I, I want it to be private. I do it in my living room. Vicki does hers in her room. I do mine in the living room, and I have my Bible, and I have my notebook, and I spend some time allowing Jesus to f- minister to me and to refresh me. Just listen. Now, it doesn't have to be two hours, but it does need to start at least five or ten minutes. Just give God some time. If you'll sow some seed into God, he'll sow seed back into you. Here's the second thing he said. The second thing he said that saved his life was submitting to authority. Now, I know there's bad authority. There's bad doctors. There's bad lawyers. There's bad preachers. I know there are. But he said one of the things that saved his life was submitting to authority. And you can say, Pastor, I tried that, and all the people around me that tried to tell me what to do are bad people. I've had some of that in my life too. But God blesses when we submit. What does the Lord mean, Boss? Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my boss. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Then it also means having other people in your life that have authority over you. Lots of times, what do we say? Nobody telling me what to do. Right? That'll get you in trouble. Right? When your third grader does that at school, it doesn't go good. Right? Right? You tell your little boy, go to school and tell that teacher, you don't have to do what she says. You're a gray Nobody bosses us. Yeah. Yeah. What's coming? We know what's coming. Hell's coming, right? That gets you in trouble. But as adults, we'll do it. Have you ever noticed how people who want to tell other people what to do don't want anybody telling them what to do? You ever notice that? The bossiest people in your life don't want to be told what to do. I quit looking at your dad and your mom. (laughs) Dad. It's his job to boss you. Amen. All right. Get a quiet time. Here's the next one. And this is simple. Get in your Bible. Now, I've already mentioned this in your quiet time, but listen, just take some time and read your Bible. Whether it's a uh, tablet, pad, phone, doesn't matter, pages. Listen, the Bible is filled with life and it's a love letter from God to you. Take a few minutes and read some scripture. Do a verse a day, do reading the New Testament. Listen, I just want to encourage you read your Bible. Read your Bible. Just take a few minutes. And read some scripture. It will minister to you. Then let me give you the last one. And what's interesting about the last one is... I talked about this last week, and you're going to think, well, hey, Pastor, you already said this last week. What encourages me is I did say this last week, and then I go to church, and I hear a man who lives somewhere else who travels 300,000 miles a year doing ministry and who's in Jerusalem and Israel a lot doing ministry. He said this, and I thought, wow, God, you must be saying the same thing to everybody. Here's the last thing he said. Don't allow fear to rule you. Do not allow fear to rule you. Now, there's all kinds of fear in there. There's fear of poverty. There's fear of disease. There's fear of the future. What if we get sick? What if I lose my job? There's fear. What's going to happen to my kids? Don't let fear rule you. Don't let fear rule you. Second Timothy 1 7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Listen, the closer you get to Jesus, the less fear you will have. How do I get close to Jesus? Spend a few minutes talking to him and spend a few minutes reading his book. You're here this morning getting close to Jesus. And you know what happens when you do that? Fear will fall off of you. Fear will fall off of you. Do not allow yourself to go through 2016 afraid. Don't let the devil torment you with fear because that's exactly what he wants to do. Listen, God loves you. God cares about you. God wants to take care of you and your family. And you can lean into his loving arms. You can put your head on his chest and you can trust him. Listen, the devil never keeps his promises. God always keeps his promises. Listen, whatever the devil's told you he's going to do in your life, he's a liar. Right? He never keeps his word. I'm amazed at how people will throw themselves on the mercy of the devil. He has none. But God always keeps his promises. You do not have to be afraid. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute? Let me pray for you. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for this service, for this time. Father, I'm thankful as we come out of 2015 and into 2016 and we move into January. Father God, I'm thankful this morning that you draw us and stir our hearts. Father, would you help us to spend a little more time this year worshiping you and listening to good music? Would you show us how to respond to you in a real way and to trust you and to surrender? Help us to have a quiet time. Father, I know there's people here with kids and lives and jobs, and it can seem impossible. God, would you show us how? Father, help us to read the Word of God and show us how to not be afraid that we can lean into your arms. Father, I pray your strength, your grace, your life over every person here today. And as we go from here, we're encouraged. In Jesus' name. Everybody said?